Well, this just in. The CCC is investigating what could be Taiwan's first local case in over a month. This is a lab worker at the Academia Sinica, and she is believed to have contracted COVID while handling the virus in a biosafety level 3 lab environment. Tests show that she has a relatively low CT value, which indicates a high viral load. Authorities are retesting the lab worker to confirm her diagnosis. Now let's move to the vaccination campaign. More than 62 percent of Taiwan is now fully vaxxed. More than 78 percent has had at least one shot. The numbers are ticking up fast this week as supermarkets, department stores and train stations offer shots to walk-ins. Since starting vaccinations on December 5th, Taipei Main Station has vaccinated 8,888 people. Taipei City has launched a campaign to boost vaccine coverage. Taipei Expo Park now offers drop-in appointments for Moderna vaccines. Get a shot there and you'll also receive a 100 NT voucher. The city announced the program Wednesday evening, saying 1,000 doses would be offered the next day. But as of 4 p.m. on Thursday, only 436 people had showed up. We only announced the plan last night. I remember that on its first day, almost nobody went to get vaccinated at Taipei Main Station at the beginning of the day. It was only in the afternoon and evening that crowds started forming. The deputy mayor says that more people will turn up as they had at the Taipei Main Station clinic set up by the CCC. It's a stark difference between the two venues. Both sites offer 100 NT vouchers and Moderna vaccines. In its first three days, about 5,600 people got vaccinated at Taipei Main Station. But during that same time frame, Taipei City's hospital drop-in program administered just 1,309 shots. That's less than 100 people per vaccination site. Citing safety reasons, Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe says his administration will not open up clinics at department stores and supermarkets as the CECC has done. But the CECC says that such clinics are driving up the vaccination rate fast. Yesterday at Taipei Main Station, we administered 3,238 vaccines. So altogether, a total of 8,888 have been administered for eight. It's convenient, for me at least. Over at Banqiao Station in New Taipei, there were hour-long queues for a shot. Over the past week, about 91,000 people received their first shot of a COVID vaccine, pushing Wendo's coverage past 78 percent. On its first day of operations, the Taipei Main Station Clinic vaccinated more than 800 people, 70 percent of whom were receiving their first shot. It's now administering more than 2,700 doses per day. Overall, the site is expected to administer about 15,000 doses before it closes. Over at Banqiao Station, about 200 doses were administered Wednesday evening. Almost half of them were first shots. Train stations in Tainan and Taoyuan have also opened up drop-in vaccine clinics. Planning is underway to set one up in Kaohsiung. Starting January 1st, 59 kinds of workers will have to be fully vaccinated or get tested routinely to go to work. On Thursday, the CECC addressed accusations that it was not giving these workers enough notice. Actually, more than 95% of these workers have received one shot of a COVID vaccine, and two-shot coverage is also quite high, at about 90%. The CECC says it's confident its drop-in clinics at public spaces will boost vaccine coverage in Taiwan. 
Well, due to the rise of imported cases, Taiwan plans to tighten its PCR testing requirements for international arrivals. Starting December 14th, it will require proof of a negative COVID test taken within three calendar days of boarding. Currently, it requires a test taken within three business days. Let's hear from the CCC. Regarding travelers who want to return to Taiwan, our Spring Festival quarantine program will be implemented from December 14th of this year to February 14th of next year. There are some items these passengers should note. Starting December 14th, we will adjust the three workday rule for PCR testing. It will become three calendar days calculated from the time of boarding. That is to say, those three days include local national holidays and regular holidays. So we ask passengers to ensure that their test report complies with the rules before boarding. Holiday arrivals need to prepare a PCR certificate and proof of a quarantine hotel booking. Those who choose to quarantine at home for four, four days or seven days will need to provide the names and IDs of anyone they are staying with. They will also need to pay to take two rapid COVID tests. The U.S. Senate held a hearing on Wednesday concerning the future of U.S. policy on Taiwan. Pentagon officials made it clear that enhancing Taiwan's self-defense was a top priority and was key to deterring a Chinese invasion. Earlier this week, U.S. lawmakers announced a compromise defense bill for the fiscal year 2022. This bill calls for assisting Taiwan with boosting its asymmetric defense. It also calls for inviting Taiwan to next year's Rim of the Pacific exercise. With the PLA constantly knocking on Taiwan's door, Washington is keeping a close eye on the Taiwan Strait. On Wednesday, the U.S. Senate Committee on Foreign Relations held a hearing on the Taiwan issue. A defense official said that boosting Taiwan's self-defense capabilities was critical to preventing a Chinese attack. Without question, bolstering Taiwan's self-defenses is an urgent task and an essential feature of deterrence. <clears throat> We therefore appreciate that President Tsai has prioritized the development of asymmetric capabilities for Taiwan's self-defense. Now, in addition to the provision of defense arms and services to Taiwan, the department remains committed to maintaining the capacity of the United States to resist the resort to force or other forms of coercion that may jeopardize the security of the people on Taiwan. Recently, the House and Senate reached a consensus on the National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2022. In the final version, sections 1246 to 1249 cover U.S. relations with Taiwan. The bill says the U.S. should conduct practical training and military exercises with Taiwan, invite Taiwan to participate in the 2022 Rim of the Pacific exercise, and assist Taiwan in improving its self-defense capabilities. It calls on the Secretary of Defense to develop a plan for improving Taiwan's asymmetric defense. It also urges further exchanges between defense officials at all levels and for improving Taiwan's reserve force. The bill, which has passed in the House, is still awaiting a vote in the Senate. If passed, it will be sent to President Joe Biden to be signed into law. There are many things that we have to discuss and reflect on. We will, of course, look into whether acts passed in other countries work for us or are advantageous for us. That's something we will assess. 
The Rim of the Pacific exercise is a military drill that aims to maintain peace and security in the Pacific and combat terrorism. Led by the US, the first Rim Pact was held in 1971 and is now held once every two years. It's the world's largest international maritime warfare exercise. Taiwan has taken part as an observer in previous editions. Now, the US Congress is recommending that Taiwan be invited to participate. DPP lawmakers say they hope Taiwan will be asked to join as a full-fledged participant. It would be the first time in history that Taiwan gets invited to join RIMPAC. That would help Taiwan substantially improve its self-defense capabilities. Having Taiwan join an alliance of democracies for military activities would be an extremely clear positive development. This version of the act was worked on by many members of Congress who previously traveled to Taiwan and visited the Ministry of National Defense and the Veterans Affairs Council. So to a certain extent, this year's NDAA contains provisions passed by two congressional committees. It will absolutely bring substantive change. Over in Taiwan, lawmakers are reviewing a special arms budget for the Air Force and Navy. The budget allocates funds for weapon systems, including coastal anti-ship missiles that will be deployed in nine areas such as New Taipei, Taoyuan and Jiayi. Officials say the spending will ramp up deterrence, turning Taiwan into a hedgehog that can stave off a Chinese attack. A teenager in Nanto fought back from a near-death experience in April to win a national karate tournament. Pai An won gold at the National Zhongzhen Cup Karate Championship in December. Just a few months before, she was struck by a scooter that was making an illegal turn. She suffered a skull fracture that rendered her unconscious for a week. When she finally came to, she worried that she'd never be able to compete again. I was very upset in the beginning. Afterward, my coach, family and friends came to check up on me all the time, and they encouraged me. I wanted to be stronger, to be better than before. So I will continue to push on and to hone my skills to the best they can be. She eventually woke up after the traffic accident and managed to win the Zhongzheng Cup for the third time in a row. Karate reignited her will to continue living. Pan spent one month recovering at the hospital and she went back to training in September. Although her injuries affected her training, she refused to give up and since has since made a remarkable comeback. The annual Taipei Lantern Festival was delayed twice this year due to COVID, but the show will go on this month in Wanhua District from December 17th to 26th. For Most News reporter Stephanie Yang has the highlights. AR the 2021 Taipei Lantern Festival will be held in Wanhua for the first time. There will be three themed light areas. Organizers have also set up augmented reality zones that let people interact using their mobile devices. This time, we've put together virtual light zones. There are three intersections where we've set up virtual works. Because virtual works are not subject to size constraints, they can be extremely large. The audience can enjoy them through their mobile phones. What's even more fun is that they can take photos with these virtual works and check in on social media. There will be stage performances featuring cartoon characters, as well as programs introducing the history and culture of Wanhua District. There will be online and offline activities. We will put some of the stage performances online so that people who are not physically present can watch too. In addition, we added introductions to many of the light installations so that the audience can go online to hear artists explain the concept of their designs. You can also go online to access shows on the story of Monga. This is what makes this festival very different from those of previous years. 
We hope that through large-scale events, we can revitalize local commercial districts. We communicated extensively with the local businesses, borough wardens, and others. They wanted the 2021 Taipei Lantern Festival to be held in Wanhua. We worked hard to put this together, and we hope to invite citizens to come to Monga and have fun. From December 17th, traffic controls will be implemented near the festival, with some road sections closed off to traffic. Visitors can check the details on the festival's official website. Because parking will be in short supply, the government encourages people to take public transportation. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Zhong Shuhui in Taipei. Well, panel makers are feeling optimistic over Taiwan-U.S. tech cooperation framework that was announced earlier this week. The framework is called TTIC, which stands for Technology Trade and Investment Collaboration. According to officials, Taiwan and the U.S. will use the TTIC to strengthen ties in critical technology supply chains. At a media event on Thursday, two major panel makers said they were optimistic about, about industry prospects under the TTIC, especially if it leads to lower tariffs. Flat panel titans Frank Ke and James Yang make a rare joint appearance with panel equipment supplier Morrison Liang. This quarter, the panel industry has seen hot demand even in its low season. With the recent announcement of the TTIC, industry players are optimistic about the future. In the global market, we must pay attention to the needs of the U.S. market. Through the bridges created by the government, we want to create an environment that's conducive to the development of the industry and to progress. I think that these are all pluses for the industry, absolutely. We are a part of a global supply chain. We all hope that whether this framework is multilateral or not, it can drive cheaper products for consumers and optimize the flow of goods. We're looking forward to seeing that happen. Industry players hope the TTIC will lead to lower tariffs that drive shipments. In related news, national electricity demand is set to grow by 4.6 percent this year due to the return of Taiwanese investment and accelerated chip production. That's nearly twice the original forecast of 2.5 percent, and it's the greatest increase in 11 years. On Thursday, Intellect said it would partner with AU Optronics to build a green energy power generation system. The panel industry can be used as a platform for integrating these new carbon-reducing technologies. We see this as a very important opportunity. With carbon reduction at the heart of their sustainability goals, AU Optronics and Intellux will put aside their rivalry to work together on green energy to create a win for the industry. Well, it has been a strange virus-plagued year, and Taiwan has chosen a fitting word to capture it. This is the Chinese character of Jai, which means homebody. The word came out on top in a poll held by the United Daily News. It was nominated by several public figures, including Taoyuan Mayor Zhen Wenchan. According to the mayor, homebody reflects a year that's lost many weddings, vacations, and recreational outings due to COVID. Liuqiu Island in Pingdong on Wednesday night held the grand finale of the annual King Boat Burning Festival. The folk ceremony honoring the deity Wang Ye is held to cleanse the island of evil and pestilence. The seven-day event featured parades and rites, and it ended with a massive boat bonfire that was aflame until the early hours of Thursday. Hundreds of people escort the king boat down to Zhongao Beach of Liuqiu Island. Worshippers and onlookers follow in procession, ready to watch the boat go up in flames. 
When the time comes, a thunderstorm of firecrackers goes off and the boat is set alight. The blaze symbolizes a smooth journey to heaven, a cleansing of pestilence and evil. The flames towering into the night sky was a grand spectacle to behold. It was magnificent. It was burning until about 4 a.m. It was past 4 and it still hadn't gone out. Every three years, Pingdong's Donggang, Nanjiu and Liuqiu each celebrate the King Boat Burning Festival. This year, the last fire of the festival was held in Liuqiu. The boat burning came after six days of prayers for rain, parades and offerings. Bad things and pestilence can be loaded on the king boat to be taken away, to be wiped out. Visitors came from afar to join locals at the festivities. This year, nearly 20,000 people arrived at Liuqiu in just one day. Big crowds watched as flames turned the boat to ash, bringing hopes of a better future. Controversy has erupted over changes to the management of a beauty spot in Pingdong. Officials have restricted access to Haiyo River and imposed fees on visitors. An area known as the Cloud Leopard's Bathhouse is now off-limits except by vehicle. The unique scenic area is famous among nature lovers, and many of whom are unhappy about the new management scheme. Nature lovers ford rivers and clamber up rock faces. Led by Pingdong County Commissioner Pamong An, the group explores the hidden wonders of Haiyo River in Labuau Village, Utai Township. Tracing the river by foot takes about an hour. Finally, you reach this magnificent area of colorful rock cliffs. Suddenly, this beautiful space opens up. All the travails of the journey and all the exhaustion just melts away. This incredible beauty spot attracts visitors from across the country. Some ride mountain bikes, others are keen to document the walk on camera. But all of those choices are out of bounds right now. Since the Hayo River reopened, visitor numbers are restricted, and in some cases, fees are required to enter. Personally, I support it basically. They're using the price to control numbers. We shouldn't let too many people ruin the natural vista. Some visitors support the fees, but the price has just gone up even more, with four-wheeled motor vehicles now charge 1,900 NT for entry and exit. Walking and cycling are forbidden. Some are accusing local authorities of exploiting the landscape. No matter how you get onto the mountain, I found an awful lot of litter here, and lots of people camping, and all kinds of mess and chaos beside the riverbed. We're training access guides. We have a plan for emergency management as well as a certification for guides in both speaking about the land and driving. We are confident it will improve touring at Haiyo River. This official from Pingdong Tourism Department says the money extracted is being put to good use, but not all visitors will be convinced it's worth it. Some would prefer to see the area remain more open to the general public. The European Chamber of Commerce has released a white paper on accelerating growth in Taiwan's digital health industry. At the launch event, experts and Taiwan officials discussed the state of the digital healthcare industry and ways to drive future innovation. Uh, for most news reporter Stephanie Yang has the highlights. Taiwan is a tech powerhouse. It also has one of the best healthcare systems in Asia. In its latest white paper, the ECCT says that Taiwan is well positioned to lead Asia in the digital health industry. 
At the launch event of its white paper on Taiwan's digital healthcare sector, top Taiwan officials shared the latest in the island's digital health innovation. Taiwan now, yeah, during the COVID-19, some people are isolated there, so we also use the telemedicine, yeah, and it is very successful during that period. And in the future, yeah, we also need what we call the virtual national health card. Yeah. Now we have a solid national health card, but in the future, uh, also some people are done doctors, they go to the high mountain or they go to the home care. Okay, they have to carry the, the I mean the card recorder, yeah, reader, but it is very heavy, yeah. So we use the we through our system, yeah, we can the virtual health national health insurance card and easy to see the information in the we call the medical inform, medical crowd. I think this is very important. Next next year. Taiwan FDA inaugurated AI Medical Device Center on May 7th. And uh, our work is to implement consultation and uh, assistance for domestic AI-based medical devices. And also to conduct training and promotion activities. The ECCT released a white paper on Taiwan's digital healthcare industry titled Taiwan Digital Health. The report has recommendations on how to accelerate digital health development. One is to create a cross-agency advocate within the government that's focused on digital health. Another is to build an e-health platform where digital health innovators can easily obtain regulatory information that applies to their product. And number one would be creation of a cross-agency um, advocate for digital health in Taiwan. A second would be the creation of an e-health platform like the French uh, Genius and uh, perhaps establishing a roadmap with, um, you know, uh, for the development, certification, approval and reimbursement of, of these products, and finally the definition of a uh, pre- and post-market regulation specific to digital therapeutics. Through a series of keynote speeches and a panel discussion, health experts explored ways to improve Taiwan's digital health. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Zhong Shuhui in Taipei.